0: I turned off my mic so you wouldn't hear me singing. (laughs) You can thank me for that later. If you heard me singing, you'd thank me for it. Maybe. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. Paul writes, and he says this. He says, And that about wraps it up. God is strong, and he wants you strong. So take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get. Every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, And salvation are more than just words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and pray long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. And don't forget to pray for me. Pray that I'll know what to say and have the courage to say it at the right time, telling the mystery to one and all, the message that I, jailbird preacher that I am, am responsible for getting out. This is the word of the God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated, please. And let's pray for just a moment. Lord, we love you and thank you for your word. And Lord, we ask that you would um, give us your words this morning. Father, I ask that you would help me to speak uh, the right words at the right time, telling the mystery of who you are and what you've done for us to all of us here in this room in listening to this message. In the name of Jesus the Christ, amen. So, good morning. By way of um, introduction, or maybe reintroduction in some sense, um, my name is Richard Zander, and um, I used to come here to New Heights all the time. I played in the band and um, did all kinds of things here. And uh, about four years ago or so, I started going to Asbury, our mission church, our satellite church over on San Pedro and felt like I could put some of my music gifts and skills to use over there. So we started going there full time and I've done the music for them for about four years now and uh, I currently preach over there um, probably once a month or so. Um, So that's who I am. So if I look familiar to some of you, there's a reason why. It's not just a strange deja vu. So our message this morning, right, um, Ephesians 6, um, we recently, my wife and I, recently uh, started watching some crime documentaries on Netflix. Um, It was kind of accidental. Um, You know, Friday nights on broadcast TV, they sometimes have these shows that talk about crime, some crime that's happened, and the investigators are trying to figure out, and they always present a couple of different sides to the crime, and it's always kind of a mystery, and you don't know what's going on, and if you start watching it, you get sucked into it, right? So uh, my wife was watching some of those occasionally on a Friday night when I'm out, I don't know what I was doing, probably music somewhere, and then um, somehow we got started Oh, I know, we wanted to watch some documentaries on Netflix. And the first one we watched was uh, Man on a Wire, I think it was called. And it was about this guy, I think he's, yeah, Frenchman, who strung a tightrope across the two tower, I think it was the two towers of the World Trade Center, and he walked across it, and it was this really interesting documentary. Um, and next thing you know, we're watching documentaries on Netflix, and we started watching these crime documentaries and we watched Making a Murderer and uh, The Staircase. There's another one he watched called, I wrote it down, The Imposter, um, about a Spanish guy who, this took place in San Antonio. A family in San Antonio had a missing child. And this Spanish guy heard about it and he claimed to be the missing child and fooled them for a while. Came to San Antonio, lived here. They found out what was going on. Anyway, it was a really interesting documentary too. So look on Netflix, look on documentaries, and if you Google it, you'll find all kinds of things. Anyway, but we started watching these crime documentaries, and um, and what I noticed was that there's always kind of three arcs to the stories. So the first arc is um, how uh, the accused. Um, take certain actions in the crime to do certain things right um, and Donna before I forget when should I stop talking I meant to ask that earlier when I'm done okay good uh, all right I meant to ask earlier do what when 10 30 yes yes right good thank you Kevin appreciate that uh dove time um, so so there's, there's three arcs to these stories. The individual actions that the defendant, that the accused, the criminal, whoever it is that does it, uh, takes in the crime or in whatever's happening, okay? And so what do they do and how does that play out? And then there's another arc, and that, and that is the impact of the crime on the family, the victim's family, and also the accused. What happens to them? Because if you're accused of a crime, that's a really big deal. Your your life is is altered dramatically forever. So because the impacts of that go on. And then there's a third arc, and I think that the Friday Night Crime Dramas uh, documentaries kind of sh- show those two arcs pretty well. Um, but the other ones that we started to watch, the Making a Murderer and the Staircase and the other. They really began to show what happens uh, if the accused is innocent. And that was a whole different ballgame. Um, one of the defense attorneys, um, they interviewed him, and it, there's this little clip of him talking about this. And um, I, I'm a law and order guy, so I'm like, yeah, and I know some criminal defense attorneys but I'm thinking, yeah, criminal defense attorneys, whatever. And he's talking, and he says this, and it really stuck out in my head. He says, it always seemed to me that the biggest threat to our freedoms doesn't come from those who committed crimes, but from the way that government tends to respond to that and tends to take on power for itself. And that really stood out to me because I thought, yeah, that's right. You know, when when the ball gets rolling, it's hard to stop the ball, and that's what he's trying to say. He's trying to say he provides that some type of defense there to help stop that ball from rolling. So, anyway, the Netflix crime documentaries really talk about the innocent. If you're innocent and accused, and what happens, Um, and I see a I see a really big arc in that message, and that's the arc of justice for us in society, because we don't want the innocent being imprisoned, but we also want justice for the victims and the families of the victims, right? We absolutely want justice. And 99 something percent of the time, that is what happens. There is some form of justice. If sending someone to jail is justice, then I guess some kind of justice happens. But anyway, there's these three big arcs that are happening that I see in all these stories. Our individual actions, the drama, the consequences of the actions in our lives as of the accused and the lives of the victims. And then the third arc is the consequences actually for our lives and society as a whole justice in the case of the crime dramas. I think of those as um, I think of them as big stories, right? I mean, this is this is a big deal. Here's a big arc of a story that I can engage in or not engage in. Sometimes, when we watch the stories, too, especially on Friday nights, it's easy to get caught up in all the little actions, right? And the in the secondary drama, to some degree, is he guilty or innocent? Did she, you know, do whatever or did she not? Um, What did the police do? Was there anything funny with what they did? Um, And on Friday night, I'm usually looking for some mindless entertainment, right? I don't want to get too involved in the whole, in all the arcs. I just want to watch the actions, see the mystery, see it get solved, and find out what happened, right? But that third arc is really important because we tend to blip over it. We tend to avoid it. We don't want to go there, we don't want to think about it. You know, that's actually why, um, it's not the only reason why, it's a big part of why I come to church, to be able to talk about the TV shows. No, not really. Why I come to church, one part of why I come to church is to talk about that big arc to take some time out and consider what, my, what is God doing in justice, right, or in my life, or in your life? What's happening? Do I see an overarching theme in my life of what God is doing? Can I look at my life and say, God is doing something in my life, and here are some of the things that God is doing? Where is God meeting me? And I want to hear from you. Where is God meeting you in your life? Right? Because that's important for me, partly because we're in community together as we come together, and partly because what God is doing in your life informs me about what he is doing in my life too. Partly because we're in community, and partly because God acts the same with people, with all people, (laughs) <laughs> he's the same. And actually, that's, what, that's one of the things that's so valuable about church. We read from the word of God, from the scriptures, and we see what God has done in history. And God is the same. He acts the same. So what he's done in scripture, in ancient times, he's still doing today. If, well, he's doing it whether we're looking for it or not. We can get involved in it, if we want to, and if we have eyes to see and ears to hear and a mind open to and looking for what he's doing. So when I think about the crime dramas, I think about those three arcs, and when I come to church, I want to be thinking about those three arcs. And I want to hear from you what's happening in in your life story, and I want to hear from the Scripture what God has already done, And I want to take some time to consider what God's doing in me. To hear true stories of how God has met with other people in Scripture, what he did with them, and how they were different as a result of their meeting God and seeing God at work. And the same with you. I want to hear your stories and how you're different, how you're becoming different from what God is doing in your life. And I want to share with you stories of what God is doing in my life. It's not just the circumstances. That's not really what I mean. The circumstances are part of it, right? Oh, got a new house. Or lost my house. Or this, that, or the other. And those are important things. But that's not really where God's work is happening. God's work is happening in what's in my response to those circumstances and what God can do through those circumstances. Um, They help, coming together and talking helps give me that 25,000-foot view on my life and to see what's happening. And I have to be intentional about taking time to do that. Um... Scripture stories um, Jesus came with the message of the reconciliation right to reconcile us to God um, Jesus' message was different from what the Jews had heard prior to he said you can be, be you can be reconciled with the Father based on your choice right you can choose to be a son of Abraham right he said um The father, God, can raise up from these very stones, sons of Abraham. Being born a Jew is not the big deal. The big deal is do you choose to follow God? He says, it's like the prodigal son story, right? You know the story of the prodigal son? Father has two sons. One decides to take his inheritance and runs off and squanders it, right? And he finally decides, you know... He, he blows it all, and next thing you know, he's out of money living with pigs, right? On the farm, swilling, whatever. Um, and he says, this is terrible. I should go back to my father and, uh, and just go crawling back and say, please take me. Because all of his servants live better than I live. So he does that, and the father comes out and greets him and says... Yes, you've insulted me. You've dragged our family name, you know, in the Jewish culture, to leave your father and go off and live your own thing. That was really insulting. So the father greets him and says, Yeah, you've dragged my name through the mud. You've said I'm a horrible man, but you know what? I love you. I accept you. I want you back. In fact, I'm going to restore your heirship. You're now, again, a son of mine and a full heir. some people hated that message and they hated Jesus because of that message and they killed him, right? And some didn't. Some lived, took life, took the joy and the power of that message and said, all right, I choose to be a son of God. I'm gonna be like the prodigal son and I will go back. So the scripture informs us, right? We see Jesus, we see his message, his teachings, and we also see how people responded to them we hear each other's messages, each other's stories. If we're talking, if we're engaging with each other. So let me ask you that question first off. Are you engaging with other people here? Are you using church as an opportunity to do that? Or a midweek gathering, like a study that Donna just highlighted. Those are both outstanding, those are amazing topics. So... Um, and they're worth talking about. And, and wouldn't it be an opportunity to get together with a few people that want to hear what God is doing and share that with them? What he's doing in their lives through these books, the Quadrados, um, and to share that together. Um, That's the second arc, right, in the crime stories, the consequences of our lives. We can get together and talk about our actions and see what our actions are like and talk about those circumstances and what's happened, but a bigger picture is the consequences on our lives of those actions and how we respond to those things. And that's what we've got here is an opportunity to do that. And that's actually what Paul was talking about through the whole book of Ephesians. He wrote this letter to the church, and that's what he's saying. We read, we prayed the first part, right? Um He's renewed us to sonship. He's given us his life. He's taken us and he's made something new that wasn't there before. We were people who ran from him and squandered the inheritance right? God made us all. We're his children in that sense, and we ran from him, and now we've come back, and now he's adopted us again, and we're full sons and daughters of the king, co-heirs, and that's the first part of Ephesians. So he's saying who you are. The next part, he gives a bunch of specific instructions, little actions to take, as a result of that overall drama that's happened, the consequences. So put it back in our three arcs. Paul starts out with the second arc, and he says, here's what Christ did, and here are the consequences of that actions. And the consequences for you, and you, and you, and me, are that we're now sons and daughters of the king. And so now we can live that way. And then he goes on to the second arc. And the rest, most of Ephesians is all about the second arc. And he says, so live this way. He says, because you're sons of God, have those little actions that show your sons and daughters of God. Live united as one, te- as one people and as in one temple, not divided into Jews versus Gentiles. He says, put away sexual immorality. He says, be thankful, not foolish. Don't have coarse jesting. Instead, be thankful to God. He says, turn away from the old life. Live the new life of love and light. Listen to and respect and love each other. Chapter 5 is all about that. Wives and husbands, how you live together. Chapter 6 is kids and parents. How do you deal with your kids? And then the slaves, he deals the whole household, right? And then he comes to our text, and he says... And that about wraps it up. So he's taken two arcs, right? Christ's um, actions and those consequences for us from his story. And then he's given all the little bits and pieces and all the actions we ought to take as a result of that. And he says, and that about wraps it up. Which is a great way to summarize, right? Which is a great way to say, I'm almost done. And I'm almost done. by the way. So he says, and that about wraps it up, God is strong and he wants you to be strong. And I've got to say that is probably one of the most powerful pieces of scripture that I've ever read. Because it tells me, it reminds me who we're talking about, first off. We're talking about the Almighty. We're talking about God. He is strong, isn't he? Isn't God strong? He's nothing if he's not strong. And he knows who I am. He wants you to be strong. So he's aware of who I am. He knows I'm weak sometimes, and I can't do things in and of myself. I can do some things in and of myself, but I'm pretty weak in and of myself. And the fourth thing that I get out of that is that he's taken action already to solve the issue for me. He's thoughtfully and intentionally created some tools to help me be strong. God is strong and he wants us to be strong. Eugene Peterson puts it this way. He says that we're a colony of the kingdom in the country of death a colony of the kingdom in a country of death. We are the ambassadors of that colony and of that kingdom. So take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so that you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. This is a big deal. It's bigger than us. We don't have the power to do it, we are not strong enough on our own. But when we take the weapons that God has given us, well made weapons of the best materials, I was giving the guys, Donna, and the guys, a hard time about the sword because I said, I don't think that's a picture of a well made weapon of the best materials, right? That looks more like a decorative sword to me. But God has created for us well made weapons of the best materials. He's given us truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation. They're not just words. They're weapons for us to use as Satan comes against us. As we take our message of reconciliation we take that to the world, what do we do? Satan comes against us. And we come back against him with those weapons. Now, how do we do that? We speak these words to each other. We encourage each other. We... Don't forsake each other. What's the phrase he uses here? We keep, your eye, we keep our eyes open. We keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. And don't forget to pray for me. We pray for each other. That's what we do. These weapons that God has created for us are not to be used against each other. We don't speak truth against each other. We speak truth against the enemy. Let's keep the enemy the enemy. Let's keep each other as children, as prodigal sons and daughters, now back, sons and daughters of the king. So I want to encourage you to... I stole all these... uh, I borrowed these program guides, right? I want to encourage you to get together with each other. Program guides have a bunch of ways to do that. We can do that in a number of ways. The classes we talked about, they're all in here, right? So I've got them here. You're welcome to grab one um, on the way out if you want to. Or, I'd also recommend this, just get together with each other. Say, today, afterwards, say, hey, you know what, we are in a fight for the kingdom. Satan is clever and he's powerful, and we need each other. Could I get together with you, or let's get together and talk about what God is doing in our lives, and let's look at those arcs and see what it is. Um, I ran into someone that we did a course with um, here a few years back, um, and she was saying, oh, you know, I was doing a little um, summary um, for a video, And I mentioned that course. How we got vulnerable about our lives with God together and what a difference that's made. How God has used that to take me in new paths, new ways that I never would have thought of. But it was so hard to do that, to be vulnerable. So I encourage you, be strong and brave and courageous and open your mouth and just take that one step and say, hey, let's get together and talk about what God is doing. Or don't even say that. Just do it. Just start doing it. Father, we do want to live with you. We want to be your colony. We want to Stand firm against the devil as he comes against us. Lord, won't you make it clear to each one of us what that next step is that we ought to do to continue to see your work in us, to continue to grow that work in us. Lord, as you make that step clear to us, we will take that step And we will move forward in love with each other. Amen.